0: We're just going to get the recording started. Mike, let me know when you're good. All right, cool. So uh, we've got a couple of things going on today. I think Donald Lindsay's going to join us later in the hour. Uh, We've got a cool cool little P-Rock topic to talk about, which will be cool. And uh, I think I said that enough. I think I said the word cool enough for now. Uh, But we're going to start with listening to New York Metro's uh, grade 3B winning performance from uh, 2011 which is pretty cool and we're going to use it to segue a little bit into talking about um, you know how to prepare um, in the big picture so how to prepare things and get better over the course of a year and especially during the winter time so we're going to talk about that uh, after this but for now we'll get started with this uh, with this recording so hope you enjoy it That was pretty cool. Hey, Vin, are you out there somewhere or what? I think you're out there. I hear somebody. I can get my camera turned I mean, on. he
1: was out there a few minutes ago, so he's got to be around. Yeah. Might just be taking a I'm getting that. my
0: Christmas beard going on. I think <laughs> I'll back up from the camera a little bit. Yeah, so um, that was the New York Metro grade 3B performance from 2011. Carl was just saying it was 2012, wasn't it? And I was like, it wasn't. Um it seems like very recently that uh um that they you know that they won because I remember it pretty vividly and um it was a really cool day, but you'll also remember uh we qualified that day, which means it wasn't twenty twelve and uh it was sort of a cool mass dance because things were things had gone really well so um let me just drop Vin, get Vin back going up, up here into the presenters. So, so yeah, that was a great performance. Um, I'm trying to think uh, who won the grade 3B last year. But, of course, um, and then uh, they also got upgraded to grade 2 last year as well. So um, that was a big part of it. Oh, Vin is on. Hey, Vin. Back. Um, So, yeah, basically I was hoping that would inspire, I mean, obviously it's an extremely well-prepared, well-refined performance. Um, I think it takes more than just, uh, you know, showing up to band practice every week to achieve that. I guess that's going to be my opening, my opening uh, lead leader there.
2: Especially Um, for a band like that. I mean, mean, that was their first year as a band. Um, You know, there was a lot of preparation in advance of that performance that we just heard.
0: Right. I mean, um, so what are some of the things that? Uh, what are some of the things that go into? You know, it's not necessarily the worlds. Um, a, you know, a, a lot of bands from these parts go to Maxville, and that's their big goal for the years to do well at Maxville. Or uh, you could go on any big trip, but you know, um, and I definitely have insights here. But I'm going to ask you two guys, what's the game plan? I mean, um, people can't just show up. There's got to be more to it than that. And, um, what is the sort of trajectory of, of the year? Like, like, when do you start planning for a big event like that? And then what are some of the key things that you're doing, um, in order to get, you know, get people to that, that level that you need them to get to?
2: Yeah. I, th- I think you said, it. I think the word trajectory is the perfect one. You know, you gotta, you gotta have that sort of overall, um, you just have to be aware of how long it's going to take you to, to accomplish certain things if you, you know, if you're, if you're band, um, you know, if you're learning all new material, you've got to be really conscious of how long it's going to take you to get that band, get your get your guys and girls up to speed on the new material, play it well together, and and have that clear view of how long that's going to take. So you're going to have to work backwards that way. So if we're working through Maxville, we have to, we're going to know we're going to need at least, you know, three months of new music um, wrestling to get it down and then, you know, another say month, two months to really sort of get up on the pipes and drums and, or something. You know, you have, you at least have to know that about your band and about your people.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely um, there there's sort of stepping stones. I mean, the the new music as you're, you're talking about there, Vin, it's like, you know, I'm I'm working with a grade three band now here in Albany. It's just getting the 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 kids to, the 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 members to learn that music and. And and learn it the right way, you know, the way that we're we're, we're teaching. It, I mean, it's it takes months um, to to start with a brand new, you know, MSR uh, medley, and it's, you know, uh, by the time you know we'll get that up on the pipes here fairly shortly, and and start to work on on you know more more pipe related stuff. But you know, in terms of polishing that. Um, we're still months away from, from that kind of step. Yeah. So there's it's definitely about momentum. Uh, I
2: mean, all that stuff builds on other things. You yeah. know, like the things you're doing is going to build on the things you're going to be doing later. And um, I think, you know, being aware of that momentum and is, is is key if you're working toward a, an actual date, you know, an actual contest or something. You've got to really sort of build that, that, that movement. So when you hit that point or you're getting close to it, you're, you're putting final polish on it and you're not still working on,
0: I think working backwards, Vin, like you were sort of suggesting, I mean, the polish, here's one of the mistakes bands make all the time, is that the polish, um, you know, you have to have buffed it a little bit first, like you have to have generally cleaned it off before then, and you have to have acquired something worth polishing before that, so the polish is the absolute last step. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, one of the things that uh, Oren Moore experiences all the time is we'll be playing a competition in June, uh, maybe, or May, or something like that. Uh, and we, we actually did that. We went to Kingston. I actually – we went to Kingston, and it was fun, and I'm, not, I'm definitely not criticizing the event. But the, the irony about Kingston was that they didn't experiment in the grade one, as you guys will recall they um all of the judges were to behave as if they were ensemble judges. Yeah. And uh more and more, I don't know, we uh I, I feel like we were relatively you know, we were competitive, we were in the mix, but we got like almost dead last, if not dead last by every judge. And um mo- almost all the judges didn't they didn't say that directly, but we're we're sort of implying that although the pipe section um, was really good, and uh, the drum section was pretty good, also. Um, th- that they were judging ensemble, and that's why we got last is because the ensemble was, um, the ensemble was not. Um, polished enough. Yeah, polished enough. But at the same time, what's ironic about that is I'm sort of a believer that at that stage of the season, right, ensemble is not the number one thing. Uh, that a group should be focusing on. Obviously, you're not ignoring it or something. But, but for me, and and Carl, you guys will know, like it, it's in July, really, uh, mid July, moving forward. That that when we practice, you know, we're spending a lot of time just working to integrate with the drum corps because um, we're still developing other things, like getting the pipe section set up, getting people blowing the good tone, playing the good unison, so on and so forth. So Kingston was a little bit frustrating for me because I I wanted to go play. Uh, you know, I wanted to go play and I wanted to see how at that stage of the season, how's our pipe core stacking up? Um, you know, I'm, not too, I'm not too obsessed with ensemble uh, you know, of course, but that's with the understanding that mid-August is the climax of our season. That's when we need to be the best. Um, and so different people will disagree. We got some thoughts over here on the side. Steven says, I'm tired of hearing the grade one bands play the same MSRs and medleys year after year. There should be something stating that you can't use the same sets more than two years in a row. How um, have we played Highland Wedding, Andrew? <laughs> I don't know. We've been doing Highland Wedding for a while now, and I would, you
2: know, I forward. would miss Highland Wedding at the Worlds if I didn't hear it 18 times. You know, during yeah. the course of course, yeah. grade one. You know, I, I, I don't know. I would feel a pang of nostalgia or something. I don't know.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Unfortunately, Stephen, here's the reason why. MSRs are in gridlock. The reason is that um, you know, bands have figured out that, generally speaking, if you can successfully play a bigger tune, then uh, th- th- you know, if, let's say, two bands played perfectly the same, except one band played a six-parted march and the other band played a four-parted march, if they were exactly the same, uh, it's, pretty, you know, it's pretty well established that the band who played the bigger march would do better right, just sort of general, and, and that's sort of the culture that's evolved, so, and then there are very few six parted marches that are really ultra competitive, and so that's why we have Hannah Wedding, Lord Alexander Kennedy, Donald Cameron, Belmoral Highlanders, and, I don't know, we played Braves of Bad Knock one year, which is technically six parts, but people are like, what? That was the only time they heard that that day, guaranteed, and, uh, you know, <laughs> occasionally you'll hear the Braves of Bad Knock, I don't know, as if you played it a long time ago, and and so on. But uh but unfortunately, and the same the same thing sort of goes for the Strath space. So, um the bigger tunes tend to be more competitive. So, I think you're on the right track there, Stephen, in that I think it's not necessarily that you can't use the same music two years in a row, but uh, was it Yuvin that was maybe talking about a while ago um just having themes so you could have like all the MSRs all the MSRs need to be you know, uh, by a World War II composer, or exactly. um, all, all the MSRs. The or something, you know? Yeah, or or it's like uh, all four-parted tunes, or I, I think you could get creative, or or all of the tunes have to be by the same composer, or um, you know, or something like that. You know,
1: mm-hmm. um, that really make it more interesting to listen to. I mean, you know, then absolutely. then you don't sit down at the worlds and go. Hmm. Well, you know, this band had this many mistakes, and, and, the, and, the, and the it, I feel like that would too. challenge the, the judges to broader, be more,
2: you know, you have broader targets for, uh, you know, for playing and, ex- you know, and and just a performance in general. You know, it's not just about, like you said, Carl. It's just like, you know, here's, you know, okay, with six parts march, you know, like all the all the playing details that you just need to check off uh, during during the performance for an MSR that has, you know, another Highland wedding, another Apple Commerce, you know, and whatnot. But, uh. You know, the minute you have themes or something like that, you have uh, more opportunities to sort of have a band put their own personal touch on things and they're being judged on And that
0: would dimensions. be really fun. Yeah. That would be really fun, and that would ensure that the MSRs do get, th- they get shuffled at least a little bit. But yeah, and, and Stephen Steven is sort of saying that um, some bands tend to sit on the same set year after year. Well, <laughs> we're kind of like that. Uh, we I think we switched one out of our six tunes this year. Um, part of that is because of the drum corps change and everything, but, um, you know, uh, generally I'm, I'm very conservative about that because if things are going well in the MSRs, um, the judges don't remember what you played last year. They're, they're listening to the contest, so, um, you know, let's play something that's established and, and
2: going I, and really well. It, it, it speaks to what we were talking about just uh, you know, a couple of minutes ago, you know, in terms of preparation and, and trajectory of, of the band itself and how where you want to be at a certain time of year, you know, repeating the same material gives you an opportunity to, to really, uh, finally hone uh, the music in those sets um, in in ways that you know you just don't have the uh, the chance to in you know in in a few months you know before the fr- your first contest or even you know during the spring and summer to the worlds you know you get that whole other period of time where you can really start to hammer out details and uh, and really get it get a good you know
0: yeah yeah i um yeah that's a little off topic of what we were kind of talking about today, but I think those are all really good thoughts um Phil says, didn't Toronto police try that and get knocked um I don't know that was,
1: yeah, I don't uh, think that was the only reason they got knocked
0: um, <laughs> but you know like uh i I don't really know i I don't know i can't um I haven't followed them that closely, but um I doubt that they tried that in the m s r so much maybe in the medley uh, but let's move on to the topic that we were the topic that we were on. Um, Mary
2: mentions that, uh, Mary Wallace mentions that, you know, in the Frasers in 2007, they had, uh, you know, Bill Livingston gave all the band members benchmarks to be, to be met across the, I guess, the the winter and spring months, I would imagine. Um, Which, you know, that's, that's a useful technique, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page musically and, and, and just sort of in terms of measuring progress, making sure everyone knows exactly where they. And you know, in the time frame in between those benchmarks, I think is is important. You need to know exactly that your players are capable of doing that. I think um, you know we're talking about the Frasers, so everybody's a decent enough player, I'm sure, to to, to sort of pull it out. But you know, in a, in a lower grade band, where where you have players who are struggling or maybe just learning uh, certain kinds of tunes, um, you know, you need to be aware of the time frames in between those benchmarks. But setting them are, is is a good practice, I think.
0: Yeah, I I, I, uh, I agree. I think um, some of the phrases are, however, they're an example of a really large pipe section where you can sort of say stuff like that and still have a band. Oh, if you don't meet the benchmark, you're not going to play. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think if we, uh, uh, and I've, I've worked to try to do stuff like this in Orinmore, and I know a lot of us are in the same boat with smaller bands. Uh, you know, part of the problem with that is uh, if you have, uh, you know, even if you have a, the right size group of people, you know, let's say you have 20 pipers, but then if, if you start with the benchmark thing, if you start, you know, telling people that they're not going to play if they meet certain benchmarks, it could be a little bit of a drag because, first of all, the player knows that at the end of the day, you need them. Uh, and so if you do start to sit them out, then they get upset because now you're just sort of singling them out. Um, and yeah. I don't know. It's it's
2: a delicate balance there, but it's a, I mean it's it's sort of like deadlines. Even if you, if you were in a, a school course of some kind, you know, uh, where you have projects to be met. I mean, you're setting your own personal benchmarks where you know you know you've got to have. If you're doing a paper, say, or you know, you've got to have your research done by this date, and then you're going to have to have to be sitting down to collect ideas and a draft by this date, and all toward a deadline of of handing in the final the final paper. Um, you know, you're setting them yourself, you know, you, it's different for everybody, but I think um, you need to set, you, I'm, I'm sure, you know, even as a pipe major, you would have benchmarks sitting, you know, floating around in the back of your mind that you know where the band should be um, at a certain time of year, um, even, even if everyone's not aware of them specifically or you know, explicitly or something.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's a great idea though, and I'd love to be in the position to do that because that's a, it's a great way to go. You know if you're not performing to the degree that you should be then uh, you know then then you don't play today but again and then you know sometimes um, sometimes people come to band practice and they get upset that they're not playing and I, I think if anything Mary um, your the first sentence is the number one thing right is the mindset of all band members um, and so if you can get a clarity of mindset. That's the number one thing, and we we've we definitely developed that in the R and more pipe section for sure. Uh, is people uh, definitely understand the mindset and are working towards achieving it um, as well. So, uh, yeah, Stephen's just saying uh, when he was in a band one time, they tried the benchmark plan and lost six members. Yeah, I'm not in the position to lose six right now. I um, well, you know, you know it, I mean,
2: it doesn't have to be used as a as a blunt instrument either. You know, you don't have to like have it so strict where aren't playing if, if they're not meeting, but at least people know that they have to be playing at a certain level, um, right. you know, at certain times, you know, or, dur- you know, they have so they have, you know, a certain period of time to really, uh, you know, work on something or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's just clear goals or you know, it's clear framework that, that at least you know, if you're not there, you know, what you need to do to maybe get there or change or what you need to do differently to, to make that happen, you know, personally. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't have to be so strict where, you know, you're not, you know, sit out if you're not there, but, but, you know, with the full knowledge as a playing member of the band that you're going to be holding people back if you're not there, you know, that's, again, that speaks to the mindset, you know, if everybody's aware that, you know, if you're doing your homework, you show up to practice, everything works, you know, if you don't, then you're just holding everybody back as well as yourself, possibly, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just uh, Mary's writing here again. I feel setting benchmarks and lower grade bands is a good idea. Uh, contest is one in the off season. Uh, you don't have the numbers to cut. Yeah, exactly. You just have to be careful, right? You also don't want to ins- ex- uh, discourage people. Uh, you know, so it's a delicate balance, and it all depends, I think, a little bit on the group that you're with and and the col- the sort of collective mindset too that people are dealing with. Um, oh, look, my collar is a little bit funny there. Okay, there we go. Much better. So. Uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, okay, next question, which has definitely been on my mind, which is definitely on my mind this time of year, every year. Okay, and there are other times of the year where this happens. So here's a question for the panel and for you guys out there, too. Is um, And, by the way, keep an eye out for Donald because he should be popping on here. Actually, um, Carl, can you send him a link and, and maybe give him a call? Donald? Or do you want me to do that? Because uh, – I I wonder if he um, if he knows how to get on. We'll put Carl on that. Um, Anyway, okay. Anyway, so I guess the panel is now Vin. So Vin, it's it's uh, mid December. You know, band practices are poorly attended. People are doing holiday stuff. Um, Is it Does it necessarily have to be a time of great frustration for? for you, the leader of a band, or, or even as someone who, who's playing in the band, right? Because it can be frustrating for these people, too. You know, they have family stuff to take care of, and the pipe major's calling them up, hassling them. Why weren't you at band practice? Um, what, uh, is this necessarily just a bad month, or are there things you can do to make the most of it?
2: I think, you know, I think in terms of, like, a, well, yeah, I mean, if you've got diehards who, uh you know, or maybe younger, single people who don't have much of a life (laughs) other than bagpiping, which is a fairly decent life anyway. Um, You know, and they're showing up.
1: Hey, I resent that. That's not fair.
2: (laughs) No, uh, no, present company excludes. I have a life. (laughs) um, You you know, there's a lot you can get done with those folks, right? Even, you know, as long as everyone's clear on, you know, what's to be achieved and everyone has what they need, you know, to show up after this sort of crazy period is over uh, to show up and start rocking and rolling, I guess. But um, during that period, I guess, you know, you've you've got lots of opportunity for uh, more focused instruction maybe uh, for people who are showing up, um, even if it's just two guys, you know. I think you could really get a lot lot done that you can't necessarily get done in the context of the whole group, maybe. Um, So I, I think it can be productive, you just have to make it so, you know, it can't be frustrating Um, I don't think – I think if you're frustrated by the lack of attendance, I think, I don't know, you need to move to a country where they don't celebrate Christmas, maybe, (laughs) or something. Right, exactly.
0: I don't think it would really be reasonable to to ask people to not take time to prepare for the holidays. So I guess what I'm getting at here is um, I think there are creative ways to work with this time of year um, that um, don't necessarily damage morale or – you know, and, and one of the things that we learned in, in the early days, or at least I learned, I guess you could say, when I came back to the band um, and was you know, working is that, first of all, December, you know, people will show up when they can, but it's, you know, things are going to take precedence and you can't get too extreme about forcing them to show up. But and at the same time, it's a great time of year to focus on individuals improving because um, there's always an opportunity during the Christmas season. Um, you know, it's just crazy. So you could I could say, Vin. You know, um, as I kind of, we're kind of actually talking about this right now. As you know, can we find a few times to get together on Skype and just, uh, you know, hear some of the material and work on it? And so even though, you know, um, even though we're not having these fully attended band practices in December, um, I can, I can work with players individually and give them some individual attention that will only make them better. Uh, when when we start to have big practices at a time of year that will allow for that, um, and that's the main suggestion. Is I'm really big on individual coaching. Um,
2: yeah, and yeah well, gonna I going be- to. I think you know we're band members who are sort of go you know go, you know go a wall for a little bit during the high the holidays. It's important to really. Maintain that connection, you know, so they know exactly what's being worked on. I mean, because we you know, talk about that momentum. Mem- momentum doesn't stop in December just because it's the holidays. So, when you know, people have to be aware of like what's happening and, and what what the band is accomplishing, so they can be where they need to be, you know, after New Year's. Well,
1: you know, one that's... of the things we're doing with our with um, with my band is that uh, we're we're broadcasting our practices uh, online, um, so that if you're a, a distance player, just tune in. Um, you know, or watch the recording later and skip through the parts um, uh, that, you, that you don't need as much attention on but it's a good way to keep people uh, who are not uh, as local um, in the loop about what's going on uh, and you know keeps the ball in their court as well to stay up on the material
0: definitely i think uh, I mean I think that's definitely a big thing and um you know we're also just generally asking people to uh, to work individually. I like some of these ideas too, and uh, you know the more I think about it, you know so Adam is saying you know it's a good time to focus on ensemble with smaller groups or or maybe um, refining the material as well so so we've handed out all the new stuff from the new medley and we've got all the material on the table but uh as Carl knows, I've spent a lot of time this month on my own refining some of the stuff, doing a little bit more writing to fill stuff out and so that you know people will have the ability to play the new material, um, and I'll also know how exactly that I want to put it together when it comes time. And I remember we did a lot of that in SFU. Like we did have a core group of people that met during the Christmas and and winter months, even though the out of towners weren't there as often. But uh, that was there was a lot of time spent playing through different options, trying different medley ideas, and that's actually kind of fun and develops the playing. People have fun and it's good. And then Steven saying, "If you provide structure for those who attend, uh, identify the key things to work on for those people who don't show up. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, I think it's, I mean, a lot of this is really speaks to the importance of having a plan, right? You have to have right. something fleshed out, even if it's not in you know on paper or formal or any any way, in any way. You do have to have a general idea of your of your goals and and what you're hoping to accomplish, you know. Month to month, week to week, or whatever—it's um, really not just a, a lot. Of, too often, I think a lot of bands just get together, right, and just play, you know, and they just practice or something, you know, they just, and without sort of a a real framework for where you know what they're hoping to achieve, you know, come April, you know, or May, you know, a month before their first contest or something. Um, you know, I think it's really important to have that that at least sketched out, at least in the leadership. Have it sketched out, you know, to where they, you know, you know exactly what you're hoping to accomplish, and, and do the things you need to do, like, you know, whether it's online coaching or uh, meeting with a few people individually, or making sure you're broadcasting practices, or whatever, you know, it's all part of that plan.
1: Yeah, excellent. yeah, it's definitely just not going to all kind of come together without any sort of uh, background plan. I mean, I mean, it might, but uh, I don't think that's something you want to leave to chance, yeah. when. When you're
2: leading a band, well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the stakes are a lot higher these days too. I mean, you know, competition is a is a is an uh, expensive endeavor sometimes, and you know, particularly for for even for lower grade bands, it's a it's a big effort. To, you know, I you know, I remember times where there was no such thing as band tents with like equipment and things. And, you know, whenever you go to games, it's like there's like a little village and bands are everywhere and they got their own tents and they got their own signs and you know, that didn't happen. You know, that's like organization. What organization? <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Yeah,
2: you know, uh, but uh, yeah, but, but you know, and now you have to have a plan. You have to. You can't just get together and 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 hope to. Sh- everybody shows up on games day, you know, and plays yeah. together, well, <laughs> or something.
1: Yeah, and plays the right notes in the right style. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely have to. So, uh, I'm wondering what Andrew's gonna have us listen to here.
0: Yeah, I uh, I'm just getting the next bit queued up. I know Donald
1: is teaching until 1230, so he'll probably be yeah, on. Yeah, he minutes. said he's going to be on just shortly.
0: Cool. Well, um, the next thing that we're going to do is um, – oh, yep, there he is. Let's bring him in. Mm-hmm.
1: Perfect. Right on cue.
0: Um, yeah, so the next thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to a little p but it's not going to be like any p you've ever heard before, um, unable to play the uploaded file.
3: Great. Change
1: that you gotta change the name of the file to lowercase mp three. Lowercase mp three?
0: Yeah. Okay. That's nice. Uh, let me work on that. I mean Donald, maybe if you can you can come on and preface this while I'm doing that. Because I know you know the you know the parties involved. I don't know if he's able to come on. He has a raised hand.
1: Donald, turn on your mic. Uh.
0: Aha, I hear somebody now. He
2: oh, now he's muted. Going off.
4: Here,
0: the mouse's working. Okay. Yeah, we can hear you
4: now. Okay, we're good? Hey, Donald. All right, a couple of words, a couple of words. Um, this uh, recording that Andrew is uh, lining up for us. It uh, was made by Patrick Molar from Brittany, and uh, in recent years, I've come to get to really know Patrick as a wonderful person, a, a wonderful friend, a tremendous musician on many fronts, piping being of course, my favorite one. Um, and to be brief, uh, he, as a young man, went to Aberdeen, Scotland, and studied with Bob Brown and Bob Nicol. very meticulously for a good while. And the result is, I think he's continued studying for all the years following. He's had tuition from Jackie Pinsay. and Patrick is emerging very quietly and inauspiciously as one of the most knowledgeable men in the field of p in the world. But he doesn't uh, go around uh, bragging about it. He just quietly goes about doing what he does. His focus for many years has been the Duncan Campbell manuscript, the counteroff manuscript. And he is so conversant with the manuscript that he can simply open a page, pick up his pipes, and play the setting. He doesn't even need to translate it. He's so, so familiar with the language of counteroff. And um, so this is an example of what Patrick is bringing to the table for us. This is a beautiful pea brook, Um Grain and hides, corn and sacks. My understanding of this title is it's really celebration of a great harvest. It's grain and hides means that the cattle have, have survived well. They've been they've had plenty of grazing. They're fat. They're healthy. And uh, corn and sacks means a good harvest. And we won't starve this winter. That's what the drift of this tune. We're, we're oh. going to be okay. So celebratory. It's a happy peacock. And the Peebrook society setting and Kilberry settings are wonderful, and if there's time, I'll talk about some of the different things I've been taught about this. But this is a big treat coming up now because if you happen to have access to the standard settings, and can look at them, I should be able
2: to bring that up. Actually,
4: I yeah, I have a feeling that there may be some in the dojo uh, documents. Got
2: a copy of the Cantor page as well for that.
4: Oh, good, good. Um, Oh, really? Well, if, if if Vince has the counter rock page, you're going to see exactly what, what Patrick's playing. And the one thing you won't see in the page is how he times things. That you'll get to hear on the MP3, which is quite beautiful. But the melodic turns, twists, and changes that Patrick has lifted out of the counter rock add a whole other dimension to this tune, a whole other dimension. So I think I've talked more than enough. I'm going to be quiet for a while and turn It over to to Andrew and Vince and Carl and everyone.
0: Cool. I, I'm just going to press play here in a second. I want to see if I can get the. So, this is the traditional setting because what's remarkable for me is, um, and what we should be able to do is, let's just drag that guy down. That's not going to make much difference. I suppose That's pretty we could, good.
3: We could That's pretty good. A little
0: bit. There we go. So, um, so here we go. And uh, for those who are well versed in reading Pbrock, you'll sort of be able to see. Uh, how much different the Campbell counter must have been, right? I mean, it's, it's very remarkable. So anyway, here we go. I'm just going to mute my mic. Okay, so yeah, that was um, uh, Patrick Mallard um, playing Green hides corn sacks, but it's a very different uh, setting than what ultimately ended up in the Peabody Society. So, um, Donald, what, what are your thoughts here? I mean, how does that how does that happen exactly? Like, um, so we have this okay. setting. It's really nice. How did it not get published at least in some form in the Peabody Society?
4: Okay, that, that uh, sparks a few topics. First off, um, the major collectors of Peabock, the major collectors were Angus Mackay, Donald MacDonald, around 1900, General Thomason published his book, Kilmore, which, which, which was really a precursor in many ways to the Peabock Society collection. Uh, without going into great detail about how General Thompson went about doing this, that sparked, in 1900 when that book was published, it sparked the beginning of the Peabert Society. And at that time, the places in which the knowledge was held was among amateur pipers, as well as estate and professional pipers and some remaining clan pipers. Long story short, the leading lights favored, as the years went on, the playing and teaching of John McDougall Gillis. And so many times, they would defer to his versions of the tunes, and they would elaborately express details in the editorial notes. Now, the truth of the matter is that at this time, the lid has been blown off the manuscripts. We now can get access to them. Before, only a select group of scholars were allowed access on a regular basis. For other people, it was more difficult to approach these manuscripts. In the process, one of them disappeared, one that we all can speculate about, one of the counteract manuscripts. Some of the tunes that come out of the manuscripts are only, only notated in the manuscripts. So we can speculate but the missing volume has tunes that we've never, that we've forgotten about. And versions that are worthy of looking at, such as this one, that we've, that have been forgotten about.
2: And yeah, I mean it's, people it's, people it's interesting, Donald, that uh, I think, you know, the, that this tune in particular, as well as uh, several others, you know, it's the only other um, version of the tune exists is in the cantric. I mean, it's, people decided yes. society were very, I mean, very adamant about, you know, this being the definitive setting. I mean, and it. And taking you know you know their sources as being Angus Mackay uh, and McDual and Gillies you know th- to say that like this is the setting you know so aside from this one there really is no other except in the Cantreagh and the differences between the two are, are you know sort of call like you said call to light of various various things that you can only speculate about.
4: Right, that's right. So uh, we have to look at it I think in fairness a couple of ways. One is it took these people who for the most part were volunteers 100 years to produce 15 volumes. And I think they brought to the table everything they could practically bring to the table. But it wasn't like a NASA research project where there was huge funding behind these working men and women spending large amounts of time thoroughly calming every possible source. I think people brought what they could bring to the table and the decisions on what was printed was by committee. If you wanna get a little bit tough about it, I suppose the camel was a horse that was designed by committee. Um, <laughs> as we all know, Uh, Sometimes people have to make compromises in a group to try to get an end result. And so this is not condemning what's printed in the People's Society, because it's a lovely tune. It's a beautiful tune. It's just applauding what still is yet to be discovered by people who are willing to do, as you've done, uh, Vince and Andrew, take a look at the manuscript and see what's in there. And I'm referring to the... Campbell Countrock manuscript. Now that's free if you've got enough ink and paper on your on your printer available to your printer to just go to the Peabody Society website and they offer that for download the whole manuscript the two volumes. it's yeah. still yeah, It's an
2: awesome resource. It really is. If we, if you're interested in Peabody, I mean, it's you know it's it's really fun to sort of compare the two settings.
4: Go back. Why Society. did you keep moving that? He's me is
2: Oh, sorry. I, don't know, <laughs> I didn't realize that was just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well Patrick, I
4: Patrick is uh, definitely one of the foremost active scholars uh, uh, regarding the Campbell counter He has pulled out some tunes that have never been published and recorded them. He's making an album of these, and oh, on awesome. this, pr- with this particular tune, he uh, gave that of mp3 that you heard to jack taylor uh, who played it at a Peabody society conference and in typical of of, um, patrick's humility um he said to me oh and it was played it was played for the the conference and he said and andrew Wright said that he liked it (laughs) <laughs> so the, the point being that the current peerage society judging panel is more open than we've ever had before in regard to taking in ideas.
0: So uh, um Donald I was I was thinking, you know, um here's that first motion that he was playing. Yes. Um and, and just kind of just to show briefly, so this is what he's reading off from. Uh, no, and t- and you could sort of, we can sort of show you here's the D, here's the yes. low A. Yes. Here's the low A, and then it's D grace note. Yeah, it's a D grace note on low A, it looks like, because yep. that's an N. Yep. So it's yep. ha, dun, ha, dun, yo. That's a B. yo yep. da. And, uh, and that's going to be your D there. So that's where it's different from the Pbrook Society right there. Hio,
4: undun, Yo And this is right, that's where it changed. So this is exactly what is in the manuscript. It's, uh, wait, bear with me a minute. Yeah, well that's little,
3: actually
0: Donald. Right there, I think that that's a D, is it not?
4: Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. So it's, You're right, Andrew, that's right. There's exactly. a D there. And that's, So it's a pretty melodic turn in that predictable, uh, repeatable motif. All of a sudden, there's this beautiful melodic departure there, which is exactly what musicians love and thrive on. And um, that's one example of some of the personality of this uh, setting that comes through so attractive. There are also places further on where – Phrases instead of being chopped into short little pieces in the terloa are two bars long, yes. without a cadence stuck in the middle of them.
0: That would be, I think you're referring to right here. So ha da da ha and yo da da yo and ha da da he da da ha da da ha. Right. So and yes. those would normally be divided in two, but instead we have. Um, uh, you know we have this we have we have the four, and it's clearly seen that there is no pause uh right here where there was in the Peabrock society
3: right. you know uh, it would have right.
0: looked like
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh it would look like hey and right it would then yes. would have been one of those but anyway, i mean it's a little bit esoteric but when you it doesn't take long to look at you know to learn a few basics about counter rock and uh you know and then y- you can clearly see the way the tune is here. And, yeah, some people are asking, Donald, whose handwriting is this?
4: That's for Duncan Campbell, as far as we know.
0: Yeah, Duncan Campbell, who lived, uh, I think, roughly, it would have been...
3: Well, the manuscripts uh, are almost
2: 300 years old at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he, so. he transcribed these tunes from his father, I believe, right? Um, yes. Who reportedly was a student of one of the McCrimmons.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I don't have that on the top of my head. Who, who he's, his father got that from? But, um,
0: you know, yeah, you're, it's a really old, it's a really old manuscript, which is part of what makes it so cool. Like, I feel, uh, uh I feel like I'm really, you know, researching history when I look into, uh, into the counter rock. And, oh, yeah. and in this case, in this case, it's showing us a really, really great musical alternative. That's yes. arguably it's arguably older and arguably more legitimate than the setting of Angus Mackay that was adopted um by the Peabrook Society. Right. Is, is well, that a I rather
2: have to f- wonder, like there's a lot of a lot of sma- Angus Mackay's, you know, definitely took, you know, some of these melodic turns and put them into his settings which were then sometimes rejected by the Peabrook Society or other people and right. then yeah. readopted later. Um it's 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 just kind of strange that he wouldn't have accepted some of this some of these little well, bits that we see in the also, Catholic,
4: It's you know. also possible that he didn't know about it. It's also right. possible that Angus Mackay didn't know about it. Right. Yeah, uh, and yeah like he could have found it from an entirely different source. If you look at where we are at this moment in time, all of us are scattered around the world and we're having a conversation together and we're sharing information and knowledge with each other. That was not the case in Scotland. As you well know, Scotland is a a little patchwork quilt of towns and villages and mountain uh, habitations that were extremely isolated, extremely isolated. They didn't have uh, regular conferences and get togethers uh, where they shared information. So sharing information would have been a pretty big deal and was not the norm. And so people got information and they went to their remote locations and maybe lived there for the rest of their lives without, in some cases, seeing these other people they had they had gotten the information from.
2: So, so when, so when some, someone tells you something, you kind of take their word for it and just carry on.
4: You take their word <laughs> for it and you carry on with it and you live a life of keeping it in your head and playing it. And then someone comes along and writes something down. So... It, does it, is it a, is it strange that there should be regional settings of p rocks? I don't think so. I think it would be normal and natural in a different world from the one in which we now live, where they didn't have central communication. And years could go by, half a lifetime could go by before they could meet someone they had known years ago. In the case of Patrick Ogg and Ian Dahl McCrimmon, I mean Mackay rather. Here Ian Dahl gets word that Patrick Og has died, composes a lament for him, and years later goes to Skye and finds out that it's a false rumor and plays the tune for him, who who turned out Patrick Og loved the peevak. It was composed as his lament. That's how distant the communication was. Right, right. Well I could go on and on, but This setting is an example of some of the wealth, the treasure, if you will, that awaits the eager explorer. And as Andrew said a moment ago, learning the language is not so difficult. If you take a well-known P book that you know, and it's in the rock, and you look at the words, you'll soon begin to see, oh, that's a D, that's a G grace note on a B, blah, 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 blah. You can pick it up that way.
2: Uh, I guess well, He mentions that is, you know, he asked, is, is there any ambiguity in the Netherlands manuscript about which embellishments are which, and how can you tell that there's a redundant low A in the manuscript? And I think that's one of the, that's one of the real, um, real fascinating things about this. You can really s- trace the evolution of style, um, you know, in in Peebrek in general, in, in the movements that we play and that we're all familiar with, from the manuscript and how it's reached the, the point where we're playing, you know, tour a or with a redundant low A or even with you know extra grace notes that don't appear in the contract when you literally translate some of this um, you know the consistency of some of this stuff is you know as it carries through tune to tune is 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 slightly different you know um, that's there's right. no there's there's extra grace notes where in the embellishments that we know they don't exist and vice versa um, that's right and so we, it's fun to discover that it's fun to trace you know and and to really sort of uh, Tease out, you know, exactly what's intended in the tune, you know, and, and what fits and musically and rhythmically and all that stuff. So. That's right. That's right. Um, um, we
4: have um, one of it. the things I want to do is we
0: have one of Donald's classes um, that we did a few months ago, which is uh, it's a ten-class series about singing counter rock. Which um, anyone who's interested should definitely check that out. I just posted a link there. Um, you can you can find it uh, on the Dojo U website. Um, and we've got a couple of questions, but then we need to wrap it up. So um, how does he know to play the redundant Loe uh, based on the manuscript? And I think the answer is, um, you know, it's, it's, he's sort of speculating that would have been the style, right? Because there's no indication in the actual, you know, writing of the words that it would be in that style. Right, Donald?
4: Yes, I agree with that completely. Yeah.
0: Um, So that answers that question, and then apparently there is an article about Elizabeth Ross uh, in Piping Today.
4: Have you read that? Have you seen that magazine yet, Donald? No. Unfortunately, I don't have a subscription, not that I shouldn't have. I should have a subscription, but I don't. So I pick up copies whenever I can and have a read of them, Um, so I don't know anything about it. What is the substance of the article?
0: I'm not quite sure, but um, because I haven't read it either, but someone was just mentioning it here. Uh, but that's okay. Maybe that's something we can uh, maybe that's something we can look through next week. Sure. Um, so yeah. Okay. So um, here is what I think we'll do um, is we're not quite sure. We may or may not have a show next week. Um, we haven't decided when we're going to go on our holiday break yet. Uh, as far as the Dojo Universe shows, but stay tuned to your email, and we'll be sure to let you know one way or the other. And uh, meanwhile, thanks, Donald, for coming out today and talking a little bit about that. And
3: uh, yeah, thanks, thanks to everybody else for
0: checking it out.
4: Thanks for having me on, Andrew. I enjoyed it, and I would like to finish with a plug, if I may. Yes. Uh, we're uh, many of us are getting together to form what we're tentatively calling the Professional Pipers League, and we're having an online meeting uh, this Sunday evening the 16th of December, from 7 to 8, through the auspices of the dojo. Carl's going to be manning the helm. And uh, if anyone would like to get the links for the meeting, um, would you permit, uh, Andrew, people to email the dojo and say they want to listen in on the meeting, uh, and then we could send links that way?
0: Yeah, I think that that sounds fine, yeah.
4: Uh, And what's going to happen is we're going to present an agenda for improving the professional standard in the Northeast. We're going to start with the Northeast, U.S., and uh, we'll welcome input. And the competing pipers will be allowed to vote on issues. Okay, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Second meeting. When is first meeting?
2: The second meeting. When is is it happening? It's
4: uh, this Sunday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. The dojo is kindly offered to host it uh they have the software to be able to host it and uh we're just going to run the agenda by people to see if they're okay with what we're trying to do cool this is in by the way in, in con- cooperation with the USPBA we to make this a positive uh, input
0: Excellent. Well, thanks very much, everybody, for coming, and uh, we'll definitely get more information out about that as it approaches. So, um, Cool. We'll talk to everybody later. Thanks, everybody.
3: Have a good day.